From TLDR News, this is your daily briefing for Friday the 18th of November. Good afternoon. Today we're going to be talking about the latest wild 24 hours at Twitter, and also the potential collapse of the platform. But we'll also be discussing three other important news stories from around the world, and analysing world leaders' reactions to the Qatar 2022 World Cup. But first, what mess has Elon got himself into now? Elon Musk may have only been in control of Twitter for 22 days, but over the last 24 hours, the chaos seems to have really escalated. So much so that many are suggesting that the platform could be on the brink of death, with even Musk sharing memes about the demise of his $44 billion investment. Since he took over Twitter, Musk has been determined to lower staff count, immediately scrapping about half of the company's workforce. Now, that's clearly a big move, but as we discuss in our recent video over on the TLDR Business Channel, it's maybe a justified decision due to the excess bloat that existed within the company. So the big issue isn't necessarily the scale of the firings, but instead the speed at which it happened. Without properly understanding the business, Musk seems to have fired a ton of really crucial staff members very quickly. In fact, this is so evident that Twitter has already had to invite back fired staff members. It's not only the firings either. Very significant employees from across the company have been resigning in recent days. It's often said that when you announce you're cutting staff members by X percent, the people you actually want to keep, the ones with the true skills, very quickly look for the exit and easily find new jobs, leaving you with a weakened staff pool overall. Add to that, earlier this week, Musk upped the stakes yet again, emailing staff members to inform them that Twitter 2.0 would require long hours and high-intensity work from all employees, noting that anyone still at the company would need to be extremely hardcore. He then offered an ultimatum to staff. They had a day to decide whether or not they wanted to be part of Twitter 2.0, and if they didn't respond yes to his email, then they'd be fired. It seems this ultimatum didn't go down too well, with fewer people than expected agreeing to the new terms. About 75% said no, according to Bloomberg. As such, Musk was forced to quickly relax his new policies on working hours and remote working. In fact, going hardball went so poorly that Musk had to instigate calls with key figures to convince them to stay. Such was the mood within the company that Twitter announced yesterday that their offices would be locked until next week, apparently out of concern that staff would operate together against the company or even intentionally sabotage the business. So, Twitter has such a frustrated workforce at this point that they've literally had to lock the doors to prevent sabotage. Twitter also has fairly indiscriminately fired staff, leaving them, especially when you add in voluntary exits, with huge gaps in their workforce, leading to some already spotting glitches and engineering errors on the website. And to make things worse, Twitter's heading into a difficult weekend. The World Cup begins on Sunday, which, according to former employees, is often the biggest stress test for the platform, as football fans flood to the site, 
to discuss games. So if you're keen to discuss the World Cup this weekend, prepare to see even slower load times and even more glitches. Because even if no one's actively sabotaging the platform, it seems like the remaining workforce might struggle to manage the issues as they emerge. Or you might just find a totally broken website. Who knows? By the way, if you want to know more about this whole situation, we have an entire video focusing on the ongoing layoffs within big tech, as well as another video coming out tomorrow on whether Twitter could bankrupt Musk. Both of those videos are exclusively on the TLDR business channel, so be sure to click the link in the description and subscribe over there. Anyway, that's the biggest story of the day, the potential death of Twitter. But there's a lot more going on around the world. So here's a rundown of three other stories. Firstly, the Black Sea grain deal, which facilitates the safe export of grain from Ukraine's southern ports, has been extended for a further 120 days, despite Russia previously threatening to abandon the deal and even suspending participation for a couple of days earlier this month. This agreement between Ukraine and Russia was originally reached in July, having been brokered by Turkey and the United Nations, and it was aimed at easing global food shortages, which particularly impacted African and Middle Eastern countries, as Russia's invasion of Ukraine limited the output of one of the world's major food producers. Now, this extension to the deal creates a new deadline in March of next year, so closer to the time, there'll have to be another round of negotiations over its future extension and possible expansion. Now, going into negotiations, Ukraine was hoping to get two more of its Black Sea ports added to the protected corridor, while Russia sought to reopen exports of Russian ammonia via a pipeline in the Black Sea. But unfortunately for both sides, neither of these demands were actually agreed to in this latest agreement, which is more of an extension than a change to the original. Now, there's more on the way, but be sure to subscribe and ring the bell to make the daily briefing part of your daily routine. Or just search for us in your podcast app of choice to listen along. Next up, a Dutch court has found three men guilty of murder of 298 people in the 2014 shooting down of Malaysian Airlines flight MH17 over Ukraine. The men, two Russian and one Ukrainian, were found guilty in absentia, given life sentences and ordered to pay more than 17 million euros in compensation to the victims. However, all three men remain at large and may never serve their sentences. However, a fourth subject, another Russian, was acquitted during the verdict. Flight MH17 was flying from Amsterdam to Kuala Lumpur on the 17th of July 2014, before it was blown up in the sky above Ukraine amid a conflict between pro-Russian separatists and Ukrainian forces. All 298 people on board, among them 196 Dutch citizens, were killed. At the time, the men involved were fighters for the self-proclaimed pro-Russian Donetsk People's Republic, and the court concluded that they used a Russian-made surface-to-air missile and that Russia had overall control over the separatist forces. Judges also ruled that the missile had been fired deliberately, but was not intended to bring down a passenger plane. Next up, 
The Biden administration has determined that Saudi Arabia's Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman has legal immunity in a lawsuit over the 2018 murder of Washington Post journalist Jamal Khashoggi in the Saudi consulate in Istanbul. The State Department said that MBS's position as Saudi Prime Minister, which he was formally appointed to in September, means that he enjoys head of state immunity from the jurisdiction of US courts. And that's important because Khashoggi's former fiance is suing MBS in US court over the murder, which US intelligence concluded had been approved by MBS himself. Now, it's important to note that the actual decision on granting MBS's immunity in US courts is ultimately down to a judge, and the Biden administration's suggestion is non-binding. The State Department, though, said that this was purely a legal determination, and that it takes no view on the merits of the present suit, and reiterates its unequivocal condemnation of the heinous murder of Khashoggi. Nonetheless, this legal determination is sure to anger human rights activists and many US lawmakers, as President Biden had promised on the campaign trail to make the Saudi prince a pariah for the killing. In response to the news, Khashoggi's fiance tweeted, We thought that maybe there would be a light to justice from the USA, but again, money came first. Finally, in some uplifting news, early this week, the Prime Minister of St. Kitts and Nevis, Dr. Terence Drew, saved an elderly passenger's life on a flight from Miami to St. Kitts. The elderly man in question became unresponsive during the flight, so crew asked if anyone on board had medical training. The Prime Minister, who is also a medical doctor who trained in Cuba and the United States, was fortunately on board and stepped in. Thanks to the PM's actions, the passenger's health was stabilised and taken to hospital on arrival. That's all we have time for on YouTube, but if you want to see our analysis of how world leaders have responded to the Qatar World Cup so far, then you can watch the extended, ab-free version of the Daily Briefing exclusively on Nebula. That's because Nebula subscribers not only get everything you've just watched entirely ad-free, but they also get an extended version of the show every single day available to watch on Nebula or stream on their podcast app of choice. So if you want to support the channel and get a more extensive briefing every day, then you'll want to sign up. And there's some good news, because our friends at CuriosityStream, the streaming service which offers some of the world's best documentaries, is offering you a deal whereby you can get both platforms, CuriosityStream and Nebula, for less than $15 a year. That's all the documentaries you could want on CuriosityStream, and then more TLDR over on Nebula, including the extended version of the briefing, other fully exclusive TLDR videos, and as always, it's ad-free. You can click the link in the description to get both services for less than $15 a year. And of course, you'll also be supporting the channel.